Marijuana smoking, experts point out, can make a helpless addict of its victim within weeks, causing physical and moral ruin and death. The first legally sold marijuana here goes to an Iraqi war veteran. A new insurance study out this week looked at car crashes in several states that allow the use of recreational marijuana. Barry Peterson. You're a doc. You've studied this. You've talked to the researchers. You're right. saying marijuana can kill cancer cells. Who taught you how to do this stuff? You, all right? I learned it by watching you. Marijuana is illegal under federal law. States have legalized recreation. No wonder you can't open your eyes. What do you expect doping yourself up with this wrong stuff? What do you know about pot? Good morning. You are listening to the Cannabis Hour, a bi-weekly radio program where we discuss all things cannabis. I'm your host, Jen Procacci. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us on this beautiful fall morning. I have a bit of a human interest story for you here today on the Cannabis Hour. I'm joined by my friend, Dan Turbyfill. He's a wonderful member of our cannabis community in Mendocino and a strong proponent of cannabis. We're going to be discussing his journey in cannabis and his connections to our community here. Dan, are you here with us on the air? Yeah. Hi there, Jen. Can you hear me? I can. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Uh, I'm so good. It's so glad to be on the show. Thank you so much, Jen. Thank you so much for joining us. Dan is taking the time to broadcast live from Arizona. I'm broadcasting out here from the hills of Mendocino County out on the outskirts of Covalo. And then that links us all to the station back in, um, I believe, broadcasting out of Ukiah right now. So we're all over the place, but we're all coming together uh, for our listeners out here. I'm going to spend a moment introducing my friend Dan here. Dan spent 23 years as an administrator and educator working in the public sector in both California and Arizona. Dan has managed large special events, including the Manhattan Open Pro Beach Volley Tournament, considered the Wimbledon of beach volleyball. He managed the Park and Recreation Facilities Division for the town of Gilbert and served as an advisor, faculty associate, and lecturer at Arizona State University. He and his wife, Kim, moved to Redwood Valley in May of 2017. Dan was hired as the director of finance and administration for an innovative farm management company that have had five cannabis farms total, three in Mendocino and two in Lake County. And in November of 2018, Dan and Kim created their own company called Turby & Co., advising and assisting cannabis business owners in securing local and state cannabis business licenses. They currently have clients in San Bernardino, Santa Cruz, Sonoma County, Mendocino County, Lake County, and Shasta Lake County. Dan is also an honorary member of Mendocino Generations and is so proud to be their mascot. That is actually where I met Dan. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So that's the skinny on that. And we're going to be talking all about Dan's amazing and incredible journey in cannabis and his story, which is very inspiring. Okay. Dan, thanks so much for being here. Um, I read your bio there. And a question that I wanted to ask you that I ask all my listeners at the top of our time together Mm -hmm. is what is your personal relationship with cannabis? 
Okay, so uh, to put this in context, I, I really want to give you a little bit of um, history of, of me and, and kind of a kind of not my whole life story, but but just context to the to the conversation. And that, you know, I was I was um, actually born at the Air Force Academy. Um, I was a military brat. My dad was um, he was uh, pretty high ranking in the military at the time. He um, he worked uh, with the first uh, African American four star general and was the crew chief for uh, for his uh, planes that that flew from basically NORAD there in Colorado Springs out to um, out to the Pentagon or whatnot and, and that was my that was my dad's job and and my my mother um, was raised Southern Baptist so you know I, I went to church on Sunday and went to Bible study on Wednesday and you know I I, I you know I'm a graduate from the Dare program. Um, drug awareness and resistance education. So I, I, I know that um, there are, are, are a lot of dangers and risks to doing drugs, which uh, cannabis was uh, included in that list along with um, heroin and cocaine and all of the other illicit drugs. So, um, you know, my relationship with cannabis from, you know, from early childhood was that it was a, a, a bad thing to do. And, um, you know, only, you know, bad people were involved in, in, uh, in drugs and, and marijuana uh, is is what they call it here in Arizona. They, that's their favorite term for cannabis is, is marijuana out here. And so, um, with that, you know, my first experience with uh, with cannabis was actually here in Arizona uh, on Mill Avenue in Tempe. We used to all as kids in high school and and you know, freshmen in college used to go and cruise Mill Avenue. It was the place to be, you know. And, um, you know, my friends and I were, were sold a bag of weed and, uh, we, um, we kind of did that thing where you have the can and you poke the holes in it and we kind of snuck around the corner and, and, and smoked it. And, uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, it, it was, it was really bad cannabis uh, to begin with. It was kind of that, um, to, to, to describe it the best is, is if you've ever played softball or you've golfed and, and you scrape the, the, the grass off of your cleats, that's basically what we smoked. <laughs> and, uh, it just, it was just a really terrible experience, you know? And, um, I, I, I became super paranoid and, uh, I just said, Oh, everything that I learned was right. Don't do drugs. Don't do marijuana. And, um, and yeah, that was my first experience, and I and I I I that was my one and only time smoking weed, and I didn't do it again for about another twenty years. And uh, and it was just one of those things where we just don't again do drugs, and um, and uh, you know I just um, I uh, are you still there? Am I still on? Oh yeah, you're still on. I'm just I'm okay. listening to your your story here, but yeah, we we've got you loud and clear. Oh good, I just worry about being disconnected, you know. But um, anyway, uh, my my former wife, uh, her name was Lori. She was uh, terminally ill and experiencing some really awful uh, effects of uh, of this terminal illness that basically paralyzed her from her neck down. And uh, she ended up being in hospice care for much longer than a typical hospice day. Um, she was in hospice care for about eight months. And um, thank God for the Arizona State University community. They band together and donated enough sick time for me to actually have a year off of work uh, to take care of my wife. And for those of you that have experienced being a caregiver, it is the most difficult job on the planet. There is... Um, there's nothing that compares to the work of being a caregiver to uh, a terminally ill 
uh, spouse. And, uh, and I, I'm telling you at, at, the, at the time, you know, I, um, I was really suffering from sleep deprivation, not that I was a victim, but it just was a lot of work and, um, sleep deprivation. I, I, I know is a, is a big problem for a lot of caregivers because you are up in the middle of the night helping your, uh, in my case, helping my spouse and, um, just sleep was hard to come by. And, um, I, uh, at the time was dependent upon, um, uh, medication to kind of help me deal with, um, you know, a lot of the anxiety and, and PTSD and a lot of the stuff that I had, have had in my, in my past. We can share a little bit about that as well. But, um, one of the, um, volunteers, we actually, uh, were able to get a grant to have a volunteer help me with some of the palliative care. And she saw how much I was suffering and how, how difficult this was. And she actually offered me some cannabis. And I told her, I said, I don't do drugs, <laughs> but I was okay with my, you know, my Paxil and Wellbutrin type of thing, you know? And, um, you know, she said, really, this is much different than what you may have had when you were in, you know, high school or in college. And, and, you know, so she, she gave me, um, she gave me the, the, the cannabis and actually something to smoke it with. She gave me a little pipe and, and she said, you know, make sure that, you know, Lori is comfortable. And, you know, after, after that, just go outside and take a puff, you know, and, and Jen, it was, it was much different. It didn't make me cough. It, it was really smooth. It was a much different feel. And I'm telling you, um, it, it was, it was, it was life-changing that night. I literally was one with the couch. Like I, I got restorative sleep and, um, you know, it was just, it was just much different uh, having it that, um, and I don't recall what it was that she gave me. I know that she'd gotten it from a dispensary and that it was when Arizona had gone medical. So soon after that, I went out and I literally got my, um, medical marijuana card and, and here in Arizona, you actually get it from the department of health services. And, uh, and, and like I said, at the time it was medical and Arizona just recently this year, uh, through prop 207, um, is now, uh, adult use too. So, um, it's fascinating to see how things have changed out here. Um, and, and so anyways, um, I still, I still have that, uh, I still have that, um, medical marijuana card from here, <laughs> even though it's expired, but, um, you know, and then uh, the friends of ours that we had out in California that had these cannabis farms, they would uh, we would vacation sometimes in, in California, and they would bring samples. And oh man, there's just there's nothing like cannabis from Mendocino County. And, oh, that is so <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they would uh, give me different strains to try. And so this was, like I said, this was like in 2015 and 2016 before we even considered coming out to the to the farm, you know, and, um, and yeah, I kind of became a little bit of a cannabis connoisseur. I would try the different strains and my wife was really fun because she would, we would take notes. I'm like, okay, so today I'm trying the Gorilla Glue number four. And she, and the thing is, is when you're smoking cannabis, not, you're not necessarily aware of your behavior because you're experiencing it. And it's fun to have the observations from a spouse. <laughs> She's like, okay, Dan, what was that again? <laughs> um, you might not want to do that strain that really got you too chatty or tight. You know, it was just, it was just fun to see the um, effects and, and the onset and, and all of that. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm really curious and I wanted to learn so much about, um, about what it is that we were getting into doing. And, you know, much like um, other medications that, that like, you know, when I was here at the Mayo Clinic, you know, they had to really dial in my, uh, my dosage for the Paxil and Wellbutrin and, 
and to figure out how they would interact with my metabolism. And, and the same goes for cannabis in that you really got to dial in what strains work best for you and, and your endocannabinoid system and your own um, metabolism, all of the things that go into that and factor into cannabis use. And that's one thing where I really tried to be um, educate myself and, and learn from others about, you know, both the benefits and risks of cannabis. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's kind of, uh, kind of what led me to where I'm at today with my my cannabis journey, and and I I'm happy to say now and 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 really again I'm not an expert on anything. I'm really just going through this experience and learning myself and sharing my my experience and and what I've um, what I've <laughs> what I've seen, you know. And it um, uh, you know it's I'm, I'm living my best life, Jen. Uh, I, um, I I I. And, and Paxil and Obutrin may work for people, but what it did for me is it it really slowed me down. It um, it caused me to be really tired and, and inactive, um, lowered the libido, and it just it just had a lot of other side effects that weren't very positive. And I'm telling you, when I withdrew from Paxil and Obutrin, it was a really really difficult process. Um, it was like literally detoxifying from you know from drugs and um, and so today, I, I literally this morning woke up, had my coffee and a joint, you know, and that's my daily medication. That is such an inspiring story. Um, thank you for sharing that with us. And I want to go back to that time when your wife was in hospice and you smoked cannabis um, for the second time, but you had your first, you know, real cannabis experience. And yeah. what were you thinking? Were you nervous? Were you nervous yeah, when yeah. you, oh, yeah. you know, went outside? Well, yeah, what went through my mind was, you know, because cannabis in, in Arizona is much different than it is in, in California. Like, I mean, you guys are light years ahead in what, of what the perception is out here. And things are starting to change a little bit here in, in Arizona. Um, like last night, I went to my favorite band, 311. They had a concert here last night. And, you know, I, I had my um, I had my protopipe in my pocket and and some cannabis that I'd gotten from uh, from Humboldt. And I had a I had a vape pen and um, I just I walked right through security and they didn't they didn't confiscate it. They're like, it looks like you're going to have fun tonight. <laughs> How awesome. I know it was so Cool, you know, and then I'm sitting there. I'm just I'm I'm smoking my protopipe right there in front of the police, and they're like, "Have a good time, sir." You know, it was just like, "Wow," you know, Arizona. It's 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 changing, you know. And I remember when I um went outside, I was like, "Oh gosh," you know, is this the wrong thing to be doing? Because I was worried if it sent me on a bad trip, like like I thought, you know, the drug would do. But again, I trusted this person that was trying to help me. And the thing about it is, is that I forgot to mention was that, you know, my wife was on some pretty heavy narcotics and, um, and, and, and I, 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 I'm a little ashamed to admit it, but I, it was a, it was a desperate time in my life, but I, I would take some of those, you know, oxycontins to help me cope and deal with what was happening, the reality of my life. And one of the nurses found out and yeah, she's like, of course. Are you, she's like, are you, ta- are you taking your wife's pills? They're like, you really shouldn't be doing that, you know? And then, you know, that's when the person that had overheard it, um, you know, offered cannabis as a, as a medicinal intervention, you know? And so, um, so yes, uh, to, to answer your question, uh, I kind of walked outside and just kind of hit around the corner and, uh, and, and, and smoked it and thought, man, I, I really hope that it, I'm able to still care for my wife and 
and I was, you know, because she was um, safe and sleeping. She, we actually had her hospital bed in our living room and I slept on the couch. And so like, literally I was one with the couch after smoking that weed. <laughs> it was, it was a good experience and I wanted to try it again, you know? So, yeah. When you woke up the next morning, you know, what were your, your thoughts about it? And then I'm curious, how long was it before you decided to transition off of your prescription medications and sort of um, use cannabis for its medicinal value instead? It was a long process. It took a, it well, so my, my wife was um, ill in 2013 and, um, and that was when I first started experimenting with it. And then they were, um, like I said, Arizona was starting to go medical. And as soon as they went medical, I, I got my medical card. And then that was when I started getting, well, and this, this was an interesting experience going into a dispensary. And this is one thing that, you know, I really hope, cause I, I, I general manage, I was a general manager for a dispensary in Ukiah and really teaching the staff about, um, the, the customer service and that we, uh, have that, you know, interaction. And I'm telling you, when I went into the dispensary for the first time here in Tempe, it was like Vegas, you know, it was, it was, you know, all the walls were painted in bright colors and there was flashy lights and these really cool display cases and these, you know, bud tenders that were behind the counter really wanting to, you know, sell the product. And, and I understand that businesses need to, you know, add up their receipts with multiple items, but I, I went in there really not knowing exactly what I was looking for as far as like CBD or, or any of the other type of components, because like I said, I just got my medical card and I wanted to have some sort of like um, interaction or advisement. And, and it really was pretty, pretty quick. And um, I, I, I ended up going, so they, they, they grab all the, the items and then they take it to the counter and they give it over to the cashier and the cashier rings it up and puts it in a bag for you. And, um, and then it was like 250 bucks. And I'm like, Oh my God, I rang up a bill of 250 bucks. It was shocking. But I was, I was, I was really just wanting to get out of there. And so I was okay to pay the 250. And I kind of like put the bag underneath my coat <laughs> and walked out to my car because that's just how it felt. Like I was doing some sort of illicit activity over there on the corner, you know, in Tempe, but, um, but yeah, and now, you know, working in the industry and having had this last four and a half years of, of access to this medicine and being able to dial in what strains and what what um, what products work well for me, um, I, I, I feel I feel really great about it. And, and again, I'm not an expert, but I at least feel like I can talk to my friends out here in Arizona in a, you know, um, informative way and 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 guide them on asking the right questions on what they're looking for their you know for their needs whether it's you know adult use to have um to have fun and or if it's something really you know that they need medically for you know topical you know i i have i had shingles at one point and that was actually the one ailment that got me my medical card out here because anxiety and depression at the time did not um constitute a um, medicinal need for cannabis and so i literally had i literally had to tell the doctor that yeah i've got got horrible anxiety and depression and and the thing is when i say anxiety and depression jen i'm not saying that i'm sad or that i'm overwhelmed i'm just saying that i've had um, experiences in my life that have caused that you know i was sexually assaulted when Mm -hmm. i was age 13 um, by a male school teacher at my high school and mm-hmm. that that assault happened for a period of about two and a half years, and so oh, wow. it, that 
it definitely was was hard because again lying keeping secret knowing knowing you know the the things that were happening to me and eventually it ended up he got um he got arrested and, and he was on the nightly news i came home and i'm like oh my god you know because he had been uh, sexually assaulting other students and um it was a pretty humiliating and, and traumatizing time you know and and then you know to go through uh you know six years of illness with my wife and then her her ultimately dying you know i'm telling you jen during that time um, Lori and I lost our home. We foreclosed on our forever home in, uh, in Fountain Hills and both of our cars were repossessed. Um, I, I, I had to claim bankruptcy and it was the 10 year bankruptcy. Um, and in that, in that basically that uh, it was about a six month period, um, after they had repoed our cars that I basically had lost everything. Um, you know, we lost our home, we lost our cars. Um, we claimed bankruptcy and then Lori passed away. So, at that point in my life, I, I literally had lost everything. And, um, you know, it, uh, PTSD is real and, and so is anxiety and depression and cannabis is really good for me anyway, has been a really good medical medicinal intervention. And I'm really grateful that I discovered this and I'm, I'm really grateful that I, I, I had this experience to come to Mendocino and to, um, be a part of this community and, and to learn, you know. Absolutely. And I can't <clears throat> thank you enough, Dan, for sharing all of the points of your story with us because yeah. it's so important to destigmatize these experiences and realize that as human beings, sometimes we all go through experiences that we can't control that are just a part of our journey for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And anyone that has met you out here in our community knows what a bright, shining like loving ray of sunshine you are so it's amazing to hear you talk about those experiences and the coping mechanisms that you were um, prescribed which were prescription drugs and how that didn't really work for you but the thing that did work for you was using cannabis which is a safe natural alternative to using things like pharmaceutical drugs and you are a wonderful thriving member of our community um, with the lifestyle that you're living so it's just so important to bring this message to people so i thank you so much for coming on the air and sharing this all with us today i you know from the moment i met you and you told your story to me which was two years ago i just could you know it took us a little time (laughs) two and a half years yeah it took us a little time to get this show on the air but i knew in that moment i was like i have to have Dan on the cannabis hour because what he has to say is so important for people to hear. Yeah, for sure. Dan, do you have anything uh, you want to add there? Well, you know, I, I, I would I would move on to, to to another topic with regard to what I'm doing now and and really how I am thriving and living my best life. I mean, if you look back, even on like my my personal Instagram, you look back at the time that I was at the university, and you can cool effect of what Paxil and Wellbutrin had done to me as far as like um, my um, weight and uh, you can see it's just a, a much different me it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting to see the before the, the before and after of cannabis and uh, I'm telling you I'm 49 years old and I and I'm, I'm literally like uh, and I, I appreciate and value all of the experiences I've had in life up to this point but right now I'm just in a place that I'm living my best life and 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 cannabis is is part of my life daily now 
you know, and uh, it's 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 really allowed me to focus. And it's it's funny because I talk to people that that use cannabis that are heavy equipment operators, and they're like, I couldn't do this job without cannabis, you know. And it's like my whole perception of that before was like, how could you do that and 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 run a machine? But there's different, like I said, different strains that work for different people. And so, anyways, um, I was really fortunate, um, you know, when my when my first wife uh, Lori. There was a moment about two weeks before she had passed that I was telling her how much I was just like, I, I, I was really coming to, to the realization about her passing. And I, I told her how much I was really going to miss her. And I didn't know what I was going to do without her. And Lori believed in do-overs. And she always, um, one of her things is, is do-overs. And she says, Dan, you, you absolutely deserve a do-over. And at that point, she could barely talk. But she told me, she says, Dan you know, it, it would, it would break my heart if you ended up alone because you deserve to love and to be loved again. And, um, and I was blessed in that I did find my current wife, Kim, who, uh, who has just been so instrumental in, in, in being there for me, you know, she's got her master's in social work from Arizona state university. And we met at a time when, um, I was still dealing with uh, a bit of grief and she just had those really amazing um skills to you know she did guided meditation with me she did so many really beautiful things um and we ended up you know falling in love and and uh, and we we got married in Kauai two years ago uh, and it just it's just been this beautiful thing but what happened was is here in Arizona she was a social worker for an elementary school in Gilbert and I was working at the university and I had I want to say I had about three full-time jobs, you know, just between advising students, doing special events. And I was into photography. So I shot, I shot a lot of photos during the football games and stuff. And, and, uh, you know, we were just kind of passing ships in the night, you know, between our, our work and just trying to pay our bills and, and, you know, recovering from my bankruptcy and the things that were happening, you know, and, um, I uh, came home late from work one night and she was just, uh, she wasn't angry. She was disappointed because I had told her I'd be home at a certain time. And of course I wasn't there. And she just, you know, told me, she said, Daniel, I, I love you, but I'm not going to be in an absent relationship. And so it really got me to thinking about what do I need to do to change that? And so her, her friends um, came over uh, during the holidays in 2016 and they're the ones that owned the farms. And we were just having this conversation over dinner and, and, they had come to stay for a couple of days and they ended up being there a couple of weeks and they had this beautiful uh, new baby daughter and Kim just fell in love with her. And this conversation again happened over dinner and they're like, Kim, you should be the nanny on the farm. You can be Hazel's nanny. And, um, and um, I, I'm like, well, Hey, we, what about me? <laughs> and, um, you know, I talked to my students about transferable skills and uh, a lot of, what I did at the city when I worked for the, you know, the town of Gilbert and I, I, I did work with the city of Manhattan beach and, and, and also here in Phoenix, I worked with the city of Phoenix. And a lot of the work that I did in Gilbert was in um, planning and building. We, um, I, I had a, a thing called the CIP. It was a capital improvement program. And part of the facilities that I managed were part of that. And so we did a lot of construction when I was uh, at that age, it was, I was gosh, probably 25 and we had multi-million dollar projects that were coming because at the time Gilbert was the fastest growing municipality in the country. And, um, 
you know, so we, we built some really state-of-the-art, gorgeous facilities. And one of the facilities I'm most proud of is the Freestone Recreation Center. We actually got best use of taxpayer dollars um, when we built that facility for the community. And so taking those skills, working in the public sector, being able to pull permits and working with planning and building, especially in Gilbert during the time of massive growth, um, it was it was tough, and it's much like the same thing that's happening in Mendocino and other counties uh, throughout California, is that the cannabis program gets put into planning and building departments, and they're trying to take on this extra bandwidth. Uh, in addition to the regular planning and building checks, they're having to deal with cannabis, which much of these planners that I work with know nothing about. And so, um, what I what what Kim and I have done since we moved out here and. and and, you know, I had that experience of managing the farm for about 18 months and then ended up, uh, Kim helped uh, start uh, Turby & Co., which Turby & Co. is is my nickname. Turby is actually my dad's nickname from the military when he served. And it's kind of just been a family thing. And so my friends call me Turby and Kim uh, helped, uh, you know, help get things running. And um, we started this as a, as a really great partnership and we got our first three licenses. Um, they were temporary state licenses uh, in December of 2017, actually um, a couple of weeks before Prop 64 went into effect. And um, that was a pretty awesome moment. We had gotten three, um, like I said, temporary state permits in um, in Mendocino County and in, in actually Redwood Valley. And so transitioning that from doing that work for the farms to now um i was helping out these sisters they're generational farmers and um they were the ones that truly taught me about the community and that it, they their mother grew and they grow and now their children are working on the farm so um i i helped kind of advise them through their their licensing process and actually did a um uh, two weeks before their actual inspection, I I, um, I had the CDFA inspection forms and I did a mock inspection for them and said, look, you got two weeks to focus on these things. You got to really work hard on this area, this area here, and just really did that mock inspection. And it, it uh, they ended up getting their license and they passed with flying colors. So um, it's evolved. And, and now Kim and I are working throughout the state helping um, business owners, large and small, um, get their uh you know, local authorization, the, the permits that they need, and then ultimately their state license. Wonderful, Dan. And, you know, how I first met you was at a Mendocino Generations event. How did you connect with MendoGen? Oh, yeah. That's, thank you for asking that. So um, as an educator, when I moved out to Redwood Valley, I was, I had no idea, like, literally when they were talking about the harvesting a crop i'm like what are we talking about you know um the only harvesting of crops that i knew beforehand were like you know corn and alfalfa and you know citrus out here in arizona i never knew cannabis was a crop because my only experience with cannabis before then was just like what i saw on tv on the national geographic um you know documentaries of them busting farms during camp uh, i remember seeing that on the tv out here in arizona and then i uh recall um Oh gosh, it it, it it was just like like I said, a lot of negative um, perception of that, and and yeah, I just knew that you know people grew weed in their in their closets, <laughs> and then when I got to the farm and realized, oh my gosh, you know this is an, an absolute you know undertaking. It's 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 massive, and especially at the scale that 
um, they were doing with the, you know, the, the 10,000 square feet, you know, quarter acre, um, that, that, we, that we were doing a quarter acre of cannabis to me was like unbelievable. And, um, and so I really wanted to learn about the plant and, and understand how, how, it, how it grew and, and what the whole process was and what is this light deprivation you're talking about, you know? And so I, I, I found, um, this one, uh, farmer that we were consulting with, with, he was a generational farmer. He was wearing a Mendocino generations hat. And so I looked it up and it turned out that they did all kinds of workshops at the Redwood Valley Grange. And so I signed up for every workshop I could potentially, I mean, every workshop I could possibly go to, um, everything that they offered. And they did, they offered really great education about, they would have attorneys come in and talk about cannabis law. They would have insurance people come in and talk about like the um, surety bonds that people needed. And then, you know, Tia and Jamie would, would have people talk about soil and about um, you know, um, all of the different types of, uh, strains and, and genetics that they were working on. And, and I, I remember, um, you know, asking Chia after one of the meetings, if I could talk to her and ended up meeting with Chia and Jamie, um, at a, at a local dispensary that I helped get their license. And, um, uh, we were at, in the consumption lounge and I had a proposal for T and Jamie. <laughs> and I said, I know that I'm not a generational farmer and I don't own a farm, but I really admire all the stuff that you're doing with Mendocino Generations. And I want to go to those farmer meetings, you know, that, that, that you don't get to go to as a, um, you know, that is a paying member of the public. And uh, I just wanted to be a part of that, you know, and I asked them if they would consider doing a, um, an individual membership for me. <laughs> And they said, uh, they, they, they were great. They gave me a hug and they made me an honorary member of Mendocino Generations. And ever since then, I've just been really um, appreciative. I, I volunteered. I um, Chia reached out and asked me if I wanted to help plan a party. And we ended up doing the Mendogen Mixer in 2019 um, there in, in Hopland. And it's just been this beautiful journey and this wonderful friendship that that has, you know, blossomed and involved evolved over this last four and a half years and um i'm just i'm just um forever grateful that i found mendogen and 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 this community and you and i just really like i said i came out here with no i came out to california with no intention of this green rush that people were talking about i didn't even know what it meant you know and i really wanted to go out there to one you know have more work-life balance and more time with kim and and really to, to to help our friends and then the next thing you know it's like oh my gosh there's an opportunity and, and that's when the sisters the night that they got their um license they're like this you should do this for you know more people that you're turby and we're your company and and so from there i ended up uh you know helping other farmers and and, and companies like like i said big and small and and that's a really tough um do duplicitous or dichotomy whatever the word is is that i work with um large vertically integrated companies uh you know in the time that we've been doing turbine cove for the last what, two and a half years uh, between kim and i we've done about 60 cultivation licenses uh we've done about five dispensary licenses uh two distribution licenses and two delivery licenses for our clients and, uh, you know, and some of those are what we're talking about right now with regard to this whole thing with um, the one acre cap not being enforced. And, uh, you know, I, I, I struggle because I work with large farms that do stack those small licenses in Lake County. But 
understanding that what my goal is, is even though I work with these companies that are vertically integrated, I want to try the best I can. And I did this with the dispensary in, in Ukiah is that as soon as I became general manager for the fourth quarter of 2020, the first thing I did was, um, you know, talk to the, uh, our purchasing um, manager and immediately, and there's certain there's certain people that have been really influential. And um, Jesse from Sticky Fields was, uh, I always watched his morning um, session that he would live broadcast and and Swami and Nikki and, and, and the Mendocino Generations uh, farmers. Um, so we uh, got local flour on the shelves and I, I made sure that that was the first thing I did because people come into the dispensaries that are looking for local Mendocino Emerald Triangle flour and um, and then the other thing I did was tried to pay back some past due bills because it's another thing that's happening in this community is that distribu- distrib- distribution companies are struggling to pay uh, people for the for the work that they did. And I've seen it time and time again where people put 80 pounds into distribution and it comes back destroyed uh, because they didn't sell it. And it's just it's a risk that you take as a farmer. There's so many variables that farmers um, that they, they, they face it. In, in, in cultivating cannabis and um, to get to that point where you're actually in distribution after all of the inputs and all the work that you've done into it to have that crop destroyed is heartbreaking. And um, I saw that our dispensary and we had a distribution license there that we had some past dues. And um, I, I immediately started doing a payment plan for those farms that we owed money to and we got them paid back. So that I feel was a, uh, uh, a really good experience for me to work as a general manager at a dispensary because it gave me that really good, uh, awesome ability to, again, apply the skills that I learned in the public sector, but also train employees, um, you know, in the bud tenders and the people that, that I call them can attenders um, because they're, they're, they're tending more than just bud, but um, they, um, you know, just doing that training and having that experience and that interaction with the customer that's really where i found out i enjoy this um industry the most is is that point of sale and really sharing my experience with cannabis and helping apply it to them without necessarily recommending one thing over another but giving them the options absolutely because like you said there are so many options out there and what works for one person might not work for someone else um, and might turn them off to cannabis forever, which would certainly be a shame. Dan, as I'm listening to you talk about your experience with the dispensary, I'm having this thought that we should get you involved in consumer education down in Southern California in terms of our um, Emerald Triangle flower up here because you're so passionate about the community. I can just picture it being wildly successful, but that's something (laughs) that we maybe can talk about after the show. I just wanted to say that. (laughs) <laughs> what I was what I was going to say too is you know through this relationship that I've had with Mendo Jen and my friendship with Chia you know she's um, in a documentary film called Ladybugs and I'm telling you this film it does such a good job of documenting the last four years of Prop 64 you know and and really talking about the challenges that we've had and 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 I'm, I'm from my own observations there's three things that have been really hard for us and that is that they don't enforce the one acre cap. Um, the, the, uh, you know, making cannabis a commercial crop, uh, uh, well, it, it's actually a commercial entity. It's not really considered, uh, um, an agricultural crop. And, and then, um, you know, 
it, it just, it, it's just, and then having this local authorization as part of it too. And really, you know, I, I don't remember what the numbers were and, and this would be for people that are listening in Arizona that really probably don't know that prop 64 required local authorization. And still to this day, I don't know the exact number. And again, I'm not an expert, but I know it's around 70% of the communities, um, cities, towns still have a prohibition on cannabis in California. There's no cannabis activity. And so that really limits the shelf space that our farmers have to get their, um, you know, their crop to market. And um, there's just a lot that needs to be addressed with, with regard to this um, situation that we're currently experiencing in, in the Emerald Triangle. And, and really, it, it, it's, it's something that a lot of people have been talking about for a long time. And the movie, the, the Ladybuds movie, really does a great job of following these six really incredible women through this uh, regulated market in, in multiple sectors, like from cultivation to dispensary, um, you know, uh, and um, act, uh, being an activist. And, and it's just a really good documentary and, and it catches, it captures the emotion of, and, and I experienced this, Jen, I remember going to the sheriff's um, blockade at, uh, at, 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 in Redwood Valley and we had our permit and we li- there was there was no list to be found for cannabis farmers, but there was a list for oh, the during the fire. Yeah, during the 2017 fire, there were there were there were you know there was a list for the grape producers, but not for any of the cannabis farms. And so, our crew literally just tailgated a uh, a vineyard crew, and that's how we got in. You know, and uh, it just was a it was a really trying time for so many farmers that really had no clue of what was going on, and and we ended up having neighbors that lost everything, and the whole thing that happened in Fisher Lake and and Tomkai, I drove that every day, Jim. And to see that decimated was just, it really was heartbreaking, you know. And it was hard for me, too, because I was brand new to the community. I was brand new to the community, and I just was just like, oh, my God, what devastation, you know. And, uh, you know. Absolutely. And and Kim, to this day, is still, you know, feeling the effects of, like, we've been evacuated twice. We were evacuated in, in River Valley, and we were also evacuated in Santa Cruz when we left there. So it's um, it's definitely something that you deal with, and that's what I was talking about. All those variables that you, as a farmer, face, you know, just let alone get your crop, um, you know, to to finish without you know pest problems, mites, and all those things, and then you have fire and smoke, and then you've got distributors that don't move your product. I mean, there's just there's so much in cultivation that people just don't really understand or know, you know. That, that's uh, absolutely true. And all the hoops and I you just, have to, I just want to jump through. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, yes. And we've got just a couple minutes left here. We've got six minutes left on the air today. Wow. That went fast. So Dan, I wanted to, <laughs> it went so fast and I knew it would because you're a fascinating person and you have so much to share. And we you know while I've been listening to your story, something that I've been thinking about is I'm so struck by um, your background, you have a pretty square background, to be honest. Totally. You grew up oh, yeah. in a pretty square situation. Southern Baptist, dad's in the Air Force. Um, and somehow you have come to, you know, on your journey and opened yourself up to cannabis and it greatly benefited your life. And, you know, a huge part of that is your openness as a, as a person, being open to that experience and willing to consider that as a part of your life. And I'm wondering if you ever think of, I'm sure you think of her, but do you ever speak to the person that 
gave you cannabis while your wife oh, was yeah. in hospice? Do you keep in, oh, yeah. oh, so you keep in touch with that person? <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. We're friends on Facebook, <laughs> and we we do keep in touch with each other for sure. And all of actually all of the hospice nurses um, and volunteers, we during that eight months we all bonded, you know, and so they all they all fell in love with my wife and 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 me and and we still have friendship that's beyond that um, after she passed in 2013. Oh, wonderful. And have you shared with that nurse about your life now in the cannabis community? And does she she's know so that proud. She's so, she's, oh, that's she's wonderful. so proud of me. Yes, <laughs> she really is. She's, she, she loves what I'm sharing because I'm, I'm trying to do a better job of sharing more information. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of concern that people just don't understand in the cannabis community or outside of the cannabis community about the risk of working in cannabis and if people knew uh like if my bank account knew that i was in cannabis i would have it shut, it, it could potentially be shut down so there's just a lot of things that that have kept me from being fully vocal about it but i'm i'm feeling i'm feeling better about sharing the story and, and being more vocal um and 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 that's the thing is we're we're we have a lot to do with regard to education. And the thing is, and I'm going to end it with this, there was, there was this quote, and this is kind of the state of things here in Arizona. And this is the university that I worked for, for, you know, I volunteered for 13 years and I spent the last 10 years there as a, as a full-time employee. And, um, the, the administration there is, is cannabis opposed. And so the, uh, they, they use research and, and other things that, that, um, that can cause, um, harm to the industry uh because of these um past beliefs uh and um i i don't want to say you know propaganda but it was um and so it 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 just it's just hard to see you know and and when they when they when they Mm -hmm. link you know cannabis to depression and psychosis and you know effect on cognitive function while intoxicated for a significant period of days afterward can lead to failure to learn, um, you can use research in so many ways uh, for or against cannabis. And I really want us to focus on research in a way that that does uh, highlight um, both the benefits and the risks of cannabis in a, in a more extensive way. Absolutely. And so that's right. Because they're both these, there. Yeah, that's where I challenge these universities that have such um, uh, power and, and, and so much, so many resources at their fingertips to to really look at cannabis policy and i'll end it with this is that cannabis policy is the most uh complex and difficult um problem uh, or issue that we're dealing with and i and i'll say of, of our time because nobody right now jen is getting cannabis policy right nobody it's nowhere true. um i'm running out of time here so i just want to say uh thank you dan we have just 15 seconds left here dan you want to just say goodbye to our listeners real quick yeah, and I just want to thank you, Jen, and thank you, uh, Mendocino Generations and the whole cannabis community for welcoming me and accepting me. And I just, I feel truly grateful to be a part of this community. Thank you so much, Dan, for making the time to join us here today. And thank you for listening. I'll be back in two weeks um, for another cannabis hour with you. Thank you. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.